0: This episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is sponsored by the Self-Care for Teachers Resource Room, an online hub for teachers to learn about health, happiness, well-being and burnout prevention. Check out the library, a collection of free resources that you can use to be proactive about your self-care and well-being. Find out more at selfcareforteachers.com.au library. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. This week I'm going to share with you the results of, or some of the results, of the Self-Care for Teachers annual survey that I did back in June 2018, so a couple of months ago now. And at the time in June when I was promoting it, I said I would have a report out by uh, the end of July. (laughs) It's now nearly the end of August and the report is still not done because I was a little bit overwhelmed with the number of people that responded actually. So, being a one-woman show, uh, it has taken me a little bit longer to get through all that information, and it is fabulous, the amount of information that has come through. So I really thank everyone who's taken part in that survey. I do really appreciate it, and I am working on getting the final results and the report done. But today, I thought I would share with you a bit of an overview and what I've got so far. But before we get into that, a few updates and the review of the week. So the review of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast this week comes from Zoe. And Zoe says, I love it. You don't have to be a teacher to enjoy this podcast. Ellen's gentle yet highly informative approach helps you understand and appreciate self-care on a whole new level. Thank you so much, Ellen, for using your voice in this space. It is very much needed. Well, thank you very much, Zoe. Now, Zoe actually is not a teacher uh, and I quite often get uh, feedback from, from people who are not teachers, but that who have stumbled across the podcast somehow, whether they know me personally or they just found it in there you know podcatcher and um, it's really nice to hear that it resonates for people even if they don't happen to be working in classrooms uh, and schools so thanks so much for your review Zoe and if you would like to leave a review of the teacher Wellbeing podcast you should be able to do that right from your phone in your podcast app Uh, and it really does help the podcast be found by more people a couple more updates we're getting into September any minute now can you believe it and so September means self care September in my world. This will be the fourth year that I've run a 30 day challenge for the month of September to help people prioritize on their health and well being. And if you haven't already, come on over to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash September and sign up because you'll get a free webinar and a 30 day challenge and a couple of other really handy resources for you. And I'm also going to be sharing the details of a new program that I'm launching just for teachers. Um, So to be the first to hear about that, come along to the webinar this Saturday, the 1st of September, 2018 at 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. And the place to sign up for that is selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash September. And if it happens to be that you're listening to this after September, head to that URL anyway, because you will still be able to sign up for the 30 day challenge and you will be able to get the replay of the webinar. Okay, and one more little update which is to thank my Patreon patrons. Don't forget that there's a new prize draw happening in September exclusively for patrons. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash self-care for teachers to support the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast for as little as $2 US a month and uh, it really helps keep us on the airwaves. So thank you so much to my patrons. And if you like listening to podcasts, then I think it's a pretty safe bet that just like me, you'll be a fan of audiobooks. And the best place on the internet for audiobooks, in my opinion, is Audible. And I know it's something that teachers often say they love reading, but they don't feel that they get time to read. Uh, And the thing I love about audiobooks is even when you are extremely exhausted and you just can't keep your eyes open, but you're maybe tired, but wired, so your brain's still going, but your body's really, really tired and needs a rest, you can close your eyes, put an audiobook on and listen You still get to absorb the information or the story, but you don't have to exert any physical effort. So I actually really love audiobooks for that reason, and that's why I got into them. Because you know, 10 years ago, I was very unwell with chronic fatigue syndrome and and eventually thyroid cancer, and I was in that state a lot. Too tired to read, but my brain was too awake to go to sleep, and that's how I got into audio. So highly recommend it. My book recommendation for this week is actually one of the first audiobooks I ever listened to called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And it is by Stephen Covey. It's really famous. You may have read it already, but if you haven't, we highly recommend it. It really helps uh, figure out your priorities and getting life in order to be, you know, an, an effective person, but I think also a happy person. So you can download that audiobook for free or, of course, a book of your own choice when you try Audible. So, go to audibletrial.com forward slash teacher Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash teacher for your free audiobook and 30 day trial. So, let's get into the survey results. As I said, I was a little bit overwhelmed by the number of responses that I got. So, 287 people uh, returned the survey or, or went to the link online and answered the survey questions. Now, Six of those people happened to not be teaching in Australian schools, so they were immediately, uh, basically they answered the first question, which was, are you teaching in an Australian school? And they said no, and that was the end of the survey for them. So essentially 281 people uh, responded to the survey. And I asked a whole bunch of questions, I'm not going to go through every single one today, but I am going to cover a bit about physical health, a bit about mental health, and a bit about the... the Um, Some of the qualitative answers of what people said was going on in their schools. So I asked people to rate their physical and mental health out of 10. And of those 281 people who answered uh, both of those questions, the average was 5.58, so basically 5.6. For physical health, most, you know, majority of people said they were around that kind of 5, 6 mark. uh, And for mental health, majority of people said they were at 5.2. So That's average, right? That's pretty average. However, there were some, um, you know, outliers. I guess it's always a bell curve, right? But, um, 5% of respondents said that their mental health was at a one or a two out of 10, which means very, very poor. And also 6% of people said that their mental health was at a one out of two, also very, very poor. So that I think is concerning. Um, on the opposite end of that bell curve, there was only 3% said their Physical health was at a nine or 10, and 3% said their mental health was at a nine or 10. So we're looking at, you know, slightly more people in the bottom extreme than the top extreme. Uh, and I guess the good news is that majority of people said they were about a five. Now, a five is kind of in my view, five ish for mental health and five ish for physical health. That's, that's not good, right? It's not bad. But it's not good. It's just kind of baseline. So there's definitely room to move there and lots that we can do going forward individually and as schools to keep that in mind. Um, in terms of stress, levels of stress were pretty high. The average response, most of the responses were in the three, four and five range. So their, their level of stress was, um, you know, three out of 10, four out of 10, five out of 10. Um, and, In terms of workload, and I kind of stuffed the workload question up because I asked it backwards, (laughs) Um, so so basically the average was people said workload was at about a 4.2. So uh, 1 being the worst it could ever be and 10 being the best it could be, uh, their workload was, yeah, 4.2. And and again, particularly with that workload question, 10% of people, so 1 in 10 that answered this questionnaire said, that their workload was a 1 out of 10, which was the worst it could ever be. Uh, that's not great, right? 17% said their workload was at a 2, and, and 22% said their workload was at a 3. So uh, that makes 49% of people who responded to this survey said their workload was pretty much as bad as it can be. That's something we need to look at, and that that was a consistent theme coming through the rest of the, the qualitative answers as well, uh, which are what I'm still working through. The other really concerning one was the work-life balance question. 75% of people that responded to the survey said that their work-life balance was five or below. So the average was 4.2 out of 10 with their work-life balance, but 15% of people said their work-life balance was at a two out of 10, and 21% of people who responded said their work-life balance was at a three out of 10. So that's pretty concerning. On the more positive aspect of things, um, one of the questions was the amount of meaning that's in your work. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how much meaning do you find in your work as a teacher? And the results were, you know, the high end of average. So 5.7 was the average. Uh, But there were, you know, 12% of people said they were at a 6 out of 10. 14% said 7 and 8 out of 10 respectively. So that's 28% altogether. And then there was 6% said there were 9 out of 10 and 5% said 10 out of 10 for meaning in their work. So that's pretty great because a lot of the other questions didn't really, they had maybe 1 or 2% of people in that 10 out of 10 range. So yeah, that's positive. And equally positive, we had 64% of respondents say they have strong support networks and 60% say they feel they do get a life outside of work. So that's also positive. So even though we might be feeling that, uh, work-life balance is low, there is still some amount of life. It's not 100% work outside of work. <laughs> the other really positive responses were that 92% of respondents feel they do a good job as a teacher. And even though 83% of people said they feel frustrated by aspects of the job, it does fulfill them overall. So that, again, it's that level of meaning and that level of fulfillment is there and that sense of satisfaction of, you know, being effective, doing a good job, it is there. However, there is some some significant stressors that are impacting on, you know, work-life balance and mental health. On that workload point, um, 59% of people agreed that they do find most of the time they're doing at work is paper pushing um, and not being able to make the difference that they want to make. So it doesn't mean they're not making a difference or they're not being effective or they don't have meaning, but they'd like to be making more. A little bit more concerning, 29% of people are, say they've lost their passion for teaching. So that of course means 71% have not. 71 percent have maintained their passion for teaching, which is, you know, very positive. But, you know, 29% is, I think, a fairly large chunk that we should be aware of. Some more positive points. Uh 92% of respondents said that they do feel they have the ability to make a difference to their health, happiness and well-being, which is just music to my ears as a coach, because the whole point of coaching is to support you to make changes in your life it's not to do it for you or to tell you what to do it's to help you uh, help yourself basically and 57% of people said they use proactive stress management techniques however you know again back on the flip side um, 66% of people said they feel like it takes too much time to get help with their health and well-being and 51% so this was a 50-50 answer was that it costs too much so on the cost factor I really want you to know there are lots and lots of ways to to support your health and well-being that don't have to cost money. Um, Sometimes they are a little bit more effort because you've got to be a little bit more self-disciplined, but there are, you know, loads and loads of options that don't have to cost money. And I I do have a, I'll put this link in the show notes, I do have a blog post, I might need to update it, but I do have a blog post about, you know, nine ways to do self-care on a budget. So um, I'll pop a link to that on the show notes because that's very important. Um, 30% of people said they get the recommended weekly amount of minimum Exercise per week, which is three and a half hours per week. Um, So only thirty percent of people said that. But I didn't have any. uh, This was just a yes or no answer, so that's not to say that the people that didn't say yes to that question are getting no exercise. Uh, There was no room to answer any further or give any more details. But sixty-two percent of people uh, eat a healthy diet, so that's really positive. And of course, there's room for improvement there, but but that's good. A little bit more concerning and, and probably tied to each other, I think. There was a question about relying on stimulants to get through the day, so things like coffee or energy drinks or sugary treats. Sixty-two percent of people said they they do feel that they rely on stimulants, and um, and fifty-four percent of people said they have difficulty falling or staying asleep. Now, of course, the the causes of both of those two things that you know the reason you're relying on stimulants might be that you didn't sleep very well last night you're really tired so you have an, an extra cup of coffee or a 3 p.m energy drink but of course then that impacts sleep for you know the following night so it's a bit of a vicious cycle there I think. There's also 25% of people who said that they rely on alcohol to wind down in the evenings uh, and so obviously 75% said they don't which is great but that's a quarter of people and so something probably to keep in check. Um, and it may also go in hand in hand with the fact that 56% of respondents said they had been diagnosed with depression and/or anxiety. Again, there was no room for extra information there, um, but depression and anxiety often go hand in hand, and, and they're you know very common. But that's one in two, uh, so I think that's also something for us as a as a teaching community to be really aware of of that mental health aspect and the need for us to really support mental health in our schools and in our own lives and so looking at that a little further there's a few more questions that I think apply, which is uh, you know seventy seven percent of teachers that responded to the survey say they put their life on hold during the school term and they pick it up again on the school holidays that's a lot that's you know more than three quarters of our teaching population feeling like they don't have a life during the school term uh, so there's definitely Uh, needs to be changed there because the school term is the majority of our life and so we need to be aware of that. Equally concerning I think is that 71% of people who responded to this said they contemplate other jobs and or a career change so that's you know again that's nearly three out of four people however when uh, for the question about uh, whether or not you have applied for other jobs or are studying for a career change only 22% of people said yes so that indicates the majority are happy where they are for now, but it is something that they are thinking about. Seventy percent of teachers said that they they consider themselves to be a happy person, and fifty two percent said they consider themselves to be a healthy person. Ninety one percent said they get along well with their colleagues, and eighty nine percent said that they really enjoy their work. So again, even though there are some strong indications that there are the concerns, there are mental health concerns, there are some physical health concerns. Uh, overall, I think positive responses about feeling meaningful at work, getting along, having good colleagues and other support networks in life, but the work-life balance factor is missing. And I think here is some really um, concrete responses as to why that might be. So, I asked the average number of hours you work per week during the school term. 83% of respondents said they work more than 40 hours per week. Now, that's not a surprise. We know that during the school term, generally, we work more than 40 hours per week uh, so that You know, in the school holidays we can ease off a bit, but I think there needs to be a balance more in the school term because again, it is the the majority of your life, right? It is the majority of your time in the year. So, thirty one percent, which is eighty eight people, said they work up to fifty hours per week. Thirty four percent, which was ninety five people out of the two hundred and eighty one, said they work up to sixty hours per week, more than fifty but up to sixty. And fourteen percent said that they work from sixty one to 70 hours per week. That's 38 people working up to 70 hours per week. And there was also 4%, which is 12 people, said they work more than 70 hours per week every single week on the average, you know, normal week in a school term. That just on that hard data is is very, those very high numbers. It's something to keep in check and that's why I recommend to my clients and, and you know, to you to track your hours at work because I find myself diminishing returns after a certain amount you know after 50 hours in the week my brain is just not as effective so things start taking longer but also it's really really common I find for, for people to feel like you know the, the to-do list isn't done but they've done 50 hours this week if you can look at that number on paper and go wow yep I have worked 50 hours today today this week 50 hours this week that's enough I'm allowed to have a break now If you can see it on paper, I find it helps to just kind of keep that in check. Obviously, there's going to be times in the term where it's going to be much busier than others. Uh, You know, musical production week was always a week where I found that I did 70 hours. But if it's every week, it is just unsustainable long term. So please look at that if that's you. Okay, so that was the main outline of the uh, first section of the survey. There were some other questions there, but I really want to get to uh, some of the Major questions in Section 2. Now, Section 2 was optional uh, and only 168 people, so that's 60% of the original uh, 281, chose to carry on with Section 2 because it was optional and you could put some personal details down. And, uh, of course, I had promised that all of those details would remain anonymous and they will. I won't be revealing anybody's email addresses or uh, names of schools or anything like that. But a couple of just um, things to keep in mind. Uh, 51% of those respondents, of those 168, 51% said that their school did have a wellbeing policy or strategy in place. That means 50, well, 49% of schools don't. So, there's a lot of work we can do there. If yours is a school that doesn't have a wellbeing policy in place and you feel, you know, confident enough, raise it with your administration because it it is 2018, they should, you know, it's it's not like this is a new idea anymore, it's time. So there's still a lot of schools out there that, that can do better here in supporting their staff. And then on the school well-being support questions, I asked a few follow-up questions, not everybody answered them and they were qualitative answers, so I'm not going to give you all of them, but there was a real mix of both. One of the questions was, you know, what solutions is your school or workplace currently offering? Quite a number mentioned free counselling and if you work in a state school, In in Australia, a lot of the state departments have uh, employee assistance lines that you can contact. And then a number of responses also mentioned meditation or mindfulness classes being held at school every week. And quite a few people said that was really useful to them. Now, obviously, those uh, were not in every school, but that was just something that some people responded to say was useful. And so that might be some ideas for your school committee to uh, look at if your school has a wellbeing committee or for your administration team as well. Quite a number of uh, the responses also indicated social club kind of activities, birthday cake, celebrations or uh, end of term morning teas and that sort of thing. I would be really wary if that's all your school is doing for wellbeing. That is, in my book, that is, that is not really an extra wellbeing support strategy. That's just like basic staff collegiality. Activities. Okay, so if that's all your school is doing, that's social club stuff. That's not really a well-being committee stuff. And there's a lot of work that you can do, uh, a, a lot of room to grow there. The question that I found really interesting was that I did ask people if they actually wanted to be covering health and well-being topics and practices at school, you know, at work, or would they rather learn about and apply well-being in their own time. And it was really interesting the mix of responses, but predominantly, a lot of people said. Happy to do some at school, but I mostly do it in my own time. I had quite a number of responses. And again, these are qualitative and I haven't finished working through all of that data yet because there's a lot. There's a lot. Just in the school workplace, one alone, there was like 24 pages worth of, worth of um, answers. So it's taken me a while to get through. But um, one of the kind of main responses was, you know, do you want to be doing health and well-being stuff at work? And quite a lot of people said something along the lines of this. I really do not need anything else added to my workday at school. I would prefer to pick a time that suited me rather than, yet again, be told to stop what I'm doing to go and do something that suits someone else's timing. And that was kind of a really common theme in the answers to that question. A lot You know, one person said, rather do it my own time because it's about me, but it could be helpful for the other team members, you know, for us to do a bit together. So quite a lot of people were asking For a mix, a little bit at school would be good so that, you know, staff could see that leadership were concerned about them, but a lot of people said they'd rather do it in their own time. And a lot said that if it was going to be at school, don't make it an extra thing. So we haven't, somebody wrote, we have enough meeting time, it could be scheduled into one of those time slots. And I I think that's fair because there is, as we've said, already a lot of hours being spent at work, and so if there's going to be something else added on, if wellbeing is going to be another thing on the to-do list, then it needs to actually be fitted in better than it is now. Quite a few people said they were quite happy with how things were. Um, You know, one person said, I'm really happy with the the way our school is doing wellbeing. However, I just wish the workload was spread out more evenly throughout the year. And of course, we know there is a bit of a wheel of the year with teaching up and down in terms of uh, deadlines and and end of term time and report cards and things. Uh, But Here was a quote that I thought was quite poignant. So it said, I think we are repairing instead of preventing stress. The education system is broken. The cause of our stress is not being addressed. Schools have policies, but they seem to just be part of the paperwork, not really being proactive. So again, that repairing something that's already broken instead of actually preventing the stress and looking at the cause and solving that. That was something that came up as well in the qualitative answers when I asked about what's going on at your school and if you happen to be a leadership you know in a leadership role at a school then I really want you to hear this several people use the word token or tokenistic when referring to well-being events and workshops and and practices that are going on at their school so that suggests that they're not feeling like they're effective even if they may be happening there may be a school well-being policy or a school well-being committee and they're putting on events or or offering various services but people are finding them just a token effort and not actually useful. Not everyone but that was you know the word token came up quite a few times in the answers so I think that's something to pay attention to Uh, and the other I did also ask what would help what would you love your schools to do and one of the common ones was to get more support staff and of course funding is an issue here we we know this right uh but if you if you are in a leadership position that is something that people did say so for example one person wrote They need to hire casual staff when there is a drain on planned absences such as executive meetings, big excursions, et cetera, so that the teachers left at school don't have to pick up the burden. And that was mentioned repeatedly, you know, more support staff. Of course, again, we know that the funding is is part of the problem, but where you can direct resources to uh, supporting staff by perhaps, you know, reducing their load. Somebody mentioned it would be great to have um, a little bit more time off during an exam break. Uh, you know, exam blocks so that you could do some of your marking at school um, rather than have it all come home. So things like that. If there's ways to to give teaching staff a little bit more time to do the work that they have to do rather than filling all their school hours, that was something that came up a lot. But again, really looking at that uh, the wellbeing practices in schools. There's 50% that are doing something, and 50 well, 51% are doing something, and 49% say their school doesn't have anything going on in terms of well-being for staff. But of that 51% said that said their school was doing something, again, there was there was a few that really felt like it was tokenistic and that the, the demands being placed on teachers were, were not really being addressed in those well-being um, activities, um, or the well-being activities felt tokenistic because the, the main stressors, the causes of the stress were not being looked at fairly or or reasonably. So, that's a bit of an overview of the survey. Now, I am working on getting the the final report together uh, and really working through some of that qualitative data, some of those more wordy answers to to make sure that the the report is done properly. So, I really appreciate all your patience. Stay tuned for the final report. Once I've finished it, I promise I will put it out there for you. If you're not already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast uh, in your chosen podcast player. Sign up to the newsletter um, and come and follow me on Facebook or Instagram. My handle is at selfcareforteachers because that's where you will get the updates. The newsletter and, and social media is where you will get the updates. And if you are already on the newsletter list, when that uh, report is ready, you will get a copy that will arrive in your inbox. My newsletter subscribers will get the first access to it and, uh, and then I'll be sharing it around from there. So that's it from me today. I'm going to sign off for now. As always, remember that you're a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher well-being to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there.